Welcome to our podcast. Talk to me, sister. I'm Kathy. And I am Sarah. And we are twin sisters documenting our surrogacy journey, discussing women's health, motherhood, and all the details that led us here. Our mission is to not only educate and inform, but to spread joy and hope through our story. Thanks for following along. Hey guys, welcome back. We are starting part two of our IVF episode. This will be all about transfer, aka implantation, and what a lot of women experience as the final part of their IVF journey. Just to recap everything up to this point, I had egg retrieval in June. We created healthy embryos that same day. We were thrilled to have three healthy embryos. Richard and I were floored actually. We kept them frozen while we discussed our surrogacy options. Kathy then geared up for surrogacy screening in August when we decided as a family that's what we were going to do. Around September and October, we finished up screening, counseling and legal requirements and all the things. We got Kathy all set up on her med package. Shots were delivered straight to your house, which was convenient. And then we got ready for transfer month. Yes. A lot happened up to this point. A lot. So I think in the IVF episode part one, we were a little more technical. For those of you who want to go back and listen to the natural protocol we used and meds and more technicality of our transfer. And this episode is more about our experience and what our personal experience was like. So yeah, I was ready in October. Yeah. Ready in October for transfer. They um, pretty much said, just let us, you're, you're ready. You're cleared. Let us know when you start your period in October. So we were really just like all waiting (laughs) for my period to start because we were trying to catch my natural cycle rather than programming your cycle like you generally do with IVF. Mm -hmm. So we went to the beach, my family, not Sarah, but my family. And we went to the beach and my period was supposed to start like the Monday we got back from the beach. But of course, like vacations happen. It just throws your body off, you know? Yeah. (laughs) So everything is meant to be, at this point, you guys know uh, how everything ended up. But when I was at the beach, I started my period a little early. So I texted Sarah and Richard (laughs) that I had started my period. And it was Friday, so it was like three days early. So I called the nurse, and she was like, no big deal. Just come in on Monday. So we felt really good about it. We felt good. Felt good. Which we were bummed a little bit that you start your period. You started your period, right? But the nurse was like, "It's no problem." Yeah, and, you know, it's no problem. Don't worry, we're still on schedule. And like, how typical is that that you started at the beach? It's like I know. Whenever you like, like us as women, it's like your body knows when you're planning a beach trip. You're like, yeah. when you need to be in a bathing suit. Yeah, you're like, um, <laughs> no, we're gonna ruin this for you. We're gonna give you cramps and bloating in your bikini. I know. And I never thought I would be texting you and Richard how excited I was about starting my period. <laughs> we had like a group thread. Yeah. Richard's like, uh, okay. What does that mean? Yes. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> like, you ever thought Richard was going to be involved in your cycle? In my cycle. In yeah. Cycle schedule. He's very involved in my cycle. So we came back from the beach that weekend, Monday morning, I went in and went in for our initial screening. So when you're planning 
IVF, the month of IVF, the month of transfer, they want you to come in day three of your cycle, which we pretty much were day three, day four when I went in and get baseline on my hormones. They wanted to do a baseline ultrasound to check if I had any cysts and check my endometrial lining. So the lining of my uterus and it doesn't tell you much on that day, except for it gives the doctors a baseline of what things look like. So everything looked good. I had no cyst. So they said, okay, you can start letrozole, which is the one medication I did take. Mm -hmm. I took two tablets of that for just the next four days. And we planned to go in day 10. So a week later to check my blood work, my hormones, and to do another ultrasound just to see how close to ovulation I was. And I feel like up to this point, like we're all very encouraged. We're like the doctor seemed, everybody seemed very like, okay, we got this. This is like right on track. Right. Exactly. So we were feeling good. Yeah. So I went in day 10, my ultrasound looked good. They said my uh, endometrial lining looked good and my follicles looked good, like ready to ovulate. The ultrasound technician said, oh, wow, you're really ready to ovulate. And I said, yes, I know I ovulate early. We need to catch it. And she said, okay, well, they'll probably call you tonight for your trigger shot. And that's the shot you take kind of planning your transfer. Yeah. But later in the day, they called me and they said, you your LH, your luteinizing hormone has already surged, which means you're super close to ovulation and we will have to wait a month. So we technically missed my ovulation window. We missed it. And that was so out of left field, I think for us and the doctors, but like, I feel like you had a sense that we were like teetering on the line because you told them a million times, Hey, wait, no, I actually ovulate really early. And I didn't even realize that we were trying to catch ovulation. I didn't realize until they were like, oh, we missed it. We have to wait. And I was like, wait, why? It didn't make sense to me because what what happened was that you're supposed to ovulate and then they do transfer like a week later, right? You do the trigger shot to force you to ovulate and then you do transfer a week later. Right. But because we were on the natural cycle, we didn't want my body to do that on its own necessarily. They still wanted to trigger it. Right. So it still didn't make a ton of sense to us, but we were, we were bummed and you were just kind of hoping that it was different. Mm -hmm. So, but I did, I told everybody, I ovulate early, I ovulate early. And I really think what happened is that, you know, I'm a pretty fertile person. And then I started taking letrozole, which is like a stimulator. So my ovaries were just like super stimulated and like overwhelmed. And it just like freight traded my body forward. Cause I'm like you, I mean, you're very fertile. You never had, you really didn't struggle with fertility per se. I mean, you Mm -hmm. had a history of miscarriage, but like you were very fertile anyway. Yeah. We we tried for both of our children, you know, they weren't just like, oops, we did it. But you know, they, my, my hormones, everything were on track and they had tested that ahead of time. Yeah. It was just like overkill. It was overkill. for. But we're going to get to that in a second. What we did the next, you know, the next second on the second month of around two trial. But I think, you know, Richard and I, obviously we were disappointed, but we felt assured that whatever was meant to be will be. That's kind of how we've, um, it's been our motto really. But yeah, but there were times, you know, it was a little frustrating and, um, you know, we came so close that time and we were a little nervous because the second go around, um, we were, we were kind of creeping up towards the end of the year and the nurses said that they were going to stop unfreezing embryos December 14th. 
now keep in mind this was all during COVID and that was a struggle in itself. But um, we felt a little put down because they were kind of warning us. So, hey, you know, we may not make the date pending Kathy's cycle. We're trying to watch the calendar. You know, this is kind of our second chance at doing this transfer. We're coming up to that December 14th date. And we were just kind of a little nervous. Well, it annoyed me because they were nervous. And I was like, well, if I'm looking at the same calendar you guys are, (laughs) we're going to make it. We're going to make it. Like my period is always 28 days, 29 days. In October, it was 25 days. And I think it was because I was on vacation because that's just how our bodies work. Classic. Classic. But I was like, listen, I, I felt really good about it. And I think it helped that we were in it together. None of us shed a tear. We were all kind of frustrated, but we were like, okay, we wait one more month. It is what it is. is And we kind of both had to be encouraging to one another so that nobody was you right. know, pulling each other. <laughs> but when we got to that second month and we were rewatching your cycle to gear up for this n- another transfer before December 14th, remember the appointment with the nurse? That yes. We were, we were kind of like bossy. We were a little bossy. We, we were bossy. Like, I felt like she was like, oh gosh, these two. We were yeah. like, well, no, look at this calendar. We, we, we got this. We, we, Kathy ovulates early. We were kind of bossy. So we, we didn't want to miss it though. And so what happened is that we missed our October window. We were waiting for my cycle to start in November. Mm-hmm. So it did, it was right on track. I knew my cycle would start. I tracked it for like the 21st of November, which fell on a Saturday and I could tell it was coming. Y'all know you can tell. So I called on Friday and I said, my period is going to start tomorrow. (laughs) And we went ahead and scheduled appointment for Monday and it was perfect. So I went in, we were way ahead of it. The second time we were a little bossy. We said, I don't want to wait a whole week to monitor. I want you to monitor me every other day Mm. so that we don't miss our ovulation window. And they, we're glad we did that because I went in day three for them to monitor me. And then I went in day five Mm -hmm. and they said, Oh, I'm glad you're here because we need to slow down your ovulation, Mm -hmm. your natural ovulation. Yeah. And it was so hard for you and I to be like, told ya. Yeah. You know? (laughs) So I think that you and I are very aware of our bodies. One, number two, we're like a little controlling, but number three, we're, you know, we just felt so confident. We felt confident. And I think it's actually a good thing. I think that of course we respect the nurses. They're there to guide us. We have no idea what we're doing in that extent, but we do, we are advocates for our own body. And I've said this in the podcast before and to clients and friends is that like, you do have to be your own advocate and worst case scenario we go to the doctor too many times and they monitor us too many times, but at least we had asked and we weren't going to miss it in the month of November. Cause we, if we had missed it in de- November, exactly. we would have missed it in December and we'd had to wait till January. And if that was the case, then it is what it is, but at least we had done everything in our power. Exactly. And it's like, we've never done this process before. So obviously we needed to rely on the doctors, but I think with there were, as far as knowing your body and just what happened to us in October, we had to take that information as facts and have that, you know, be on our side the second go around. Yeah. So I, I went in, it looked like I was ovulating quickly again, but I don't think my lining was thick enough. So they gave me a shot called cetratide. I, I took it at home 
And um, I took it in my belly at home. They sent it home with me just in case I needed it, which was really thoughtful and preventative of them. So they called me and said, hey, your LH is rising. Go ahead and take your citratide shot. And we added in estrogen tablets to kind of thicken up my lining. Mm, So that was Saturday. We added those two things. And then I went in on Monday. So exactly 10 days after my cycle, after my cycle started in November. And they said everything looked good to go. And so we planned our trigger shot. The trigger shot. And you did Ovidril, right? The trigger. Yes. Yeah. So that was the same trigger shot that I did for egg retrieval. Yeah. I, I think you gave it to me, actually. I didn't have to buy it. I know. I had an extra opportunity yeah, shot. Yeah, it was great. Um, yeah, saved us a little bit of money. But um, so Kathy and I got super excited. Because once you schedule the trigger shot, it means it's a you're, you're scheduling your transfer. Yeah. Like a it's week. It's a done deal. A done deal. So the trigger shot was, you know, someday. And then... A week later. A week later. So transfer was scheduled for December 7th at noon. So obviously we had to get there a couple hours early. Kathy had to prep. But this was so relieving to just have a date on the calendar. And how cool is it? Because it was four days before our birthday. We were turning 33. Um, I was so, I mean, think about the last few birthdays past. I mean, they haven't been so great. So I think this was just like a really, really sweet birthday. It was super sweet you were potentially going to be pregnant with my son on our birthday. It was like so mind blowing. Honestly, when that trigger, when they called and said, okay, you can do your trigger shot tonight transfers in a week. I've never felt so relieved because I, the couple months before where we were waiting for the trigger, there was a lot of waiting. And I think for me as a surrogate, that was the hardest part. And especially on a natural cycle, everybody's waiting for my period to start. Hey guys, we are excited to share with you our new partnership with Your Superfoods. Not only do they have great tasting product, but they are on a mission to help improve people's health through the power of plants. I fell in love with their superfood and plant protein mixes after I was diagnosed and started my lifestyle change. One of the founders is also a cancer survivor, which is why I came across their story. I make a ton of smoothies and my daughter Charlotte loves them too. Your Superfoods is 100% plant-based, no sweeteners, no soy, no dairy, gluten-free, and non-GMO. So you can purchase with our code SISTER15 and you will receive 15% off your purchase, any purchase, not just your first one. So go to YourSuper.com and use the code SISTER15, S-I-S-T-E-R-1-5, for 15% off your order. Go grab your superfoods. Okay, but Kathy, so I think going off of what you just said, I think that you were having some pressure to perform. Obviously. Yeah, totally, <laughs> totally. But it's like there was no, I had no, you know, I had no control, control over my body except for what my mind was doing. Yes, but we were all very excited. Um, Kathy, I know... Obviously, you really wanted to do the natural cycle. We were thrilled to do that. Also, let's talk about natural preparations as well because you were fueling up your body and getting ready for transfer. So what are the things you did to prepare your body and your uterus 
for baby boy transfer. Yes. And I'm glad you said that because I just said I didn't have much control over my body, but I really did. You know, I was doing a lot of natural things to support my fertility during that time. And it it did give me a sense of control. You know, it's like during the IVF cycle, whether you're doing a natural cycle or not, you don't have much control, but you do have control over kind of what you do around like to your body and vitamins you take and things like that. So I really focused on a handful of things. First, of course, my nutrition, you guys can go back and listen to the nutrition and fertility episode. It's episode four. There are a lot of things in there that I did that I won't repeat, but I did try to make sure I was eating enough and eating all my food groups and eating lots of color and trying to decrease stimulants like caffeine and sugar. But in general, other things, of course, I was taking my vitamins, extra vitamins, and I was cutting back not just caffeine, but also alcohol. Um, now, I wasn't drinking a ton, <laughs> but hopefully, I was like drinking enough. You weren't drinking. It was 2020, guys. Yeah. <laughs> it was 2020. And I was definitely having a glass of wine most nights of the week, right? I was going to the chiropractor. I had mentioned that they check for cysts on your ovaries because the medication you take is a stimulant and it can often cause cysts on your ovaries. And you're not supposed to, I don't think you're not supposed to proceed forward with transfer if you have cysts because you can't take the medicine. And I just didn't want cysts. I had had cysts on my ovaries before. And so I wanted to be preventative and I was, I could kind of feel it like that medication really stimulated my ovaries. I was, I felt super swollen there. So I went to the chiropractor. I made them kind of pop me around in my pelvic region region and my back and, and just continue to help my body do the best it could on its own. A lot of people do acupuncture before IVF and say great things about it, especially in terms of hormone balance, because if acupuncture can be very relaxing and if you are relaxed, Generally, you're decreasing stress hormones and decreasing stress hormones mm-hmm. more, promote higher progesterone. Things. Yes. So all of that is really good. I did not go to an acupuncturist, but I did buy myself an acupuncture mat. You can get them off of Amazon. It's like this pokey mat that you lay on at the end of the day for 20 minutes. And it really does hurt. Like you have indentions. <laughs> I, you've mentioned this before. I really want one of those. And I do think it's actually a really good gift for anybody going through IVF because it's like $20 you can ship it to their house and it just is like a relaxing supportive thing but I did that I loved that I also did CBD oil now this is my personal experience I can't recommend CBD like as a practitioner because there's not totally enough evidence for that but I did feel like if I could do anything to relax my body Mm -hmm. and I will shout out the place that I buy CBD from the perfect plant We'll yes. link it in the show notes. So it's a Nashville-based store. There's been a lot of CBD that just I don't feel like helps me, but I really love their gummies and their I, I do too. And this has nothing to do with our transfer, but no, I, it doesn't. I it's non-sponsor. This is not, but I I love their products too, and they help me with anxiety and just relaxing. And yeah, and that's kind of the idea of before IVF is like just trying to relax your body. Yeah. Because your mind is doing so much if you can't, if you can control it with other areas and just try to relax. So it's a plant. It's a plant. We're believers. So a lot of that I did, um, there's a lot of IVF myths, you know, like the pineapple 
you guys, mm-hmm. if you're going through IVF, you know that people say eat pineapple. It kind of makes the baby sticky in there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and there's a myth of like eating McDonald's fries after transfer that it helps the baby stick. Okay, the McDonald's fries, that was new to me. So I follow the IVF hashtag, obviously, on Instagram and sur- or hashtag surrogacy, IVF, all, all of it. And I've seen some funny TikTok videos or videos where women after transfer are stuffing their faces with McDonald's fries. Mm-hmm. I hadn't heard that. It's hilarious. So yeah, I wanted to mention that because I want I wanted to note that I didn't do any of that. <laughs> yeah. And and like I I think that there is power to sometimes a placebo. Like if you feel like, okay, I want to do everything in my power mm-hmm. to make sure this baby's sticky, you eat those McDonald's fries. You eat those pineapples. You do you. You do you. But I did not. And so I think some people want to know, like, what did you do that worked and what did you not do that worked? And I I feel like sometimes all of those little things can make us feel overwhelmed. Like, oh, dang, I should have eaten the pineapple and I should have had the fries. And it's like, there's only so much that we can It would give me, I was on, I was not on the transfer end, obviously, but it would give me anxiety thinking I had to like check all the boxes before the day. Right. Which is why I mentioned I did not check all the boxes and the baby still stuck. Yeah. You know, still worked. So that's some of the things there. Um, but we, the, the day of transfer, I woke up and I had a good breakfast. Sarah made me a smoothie. Oh, I did about 10 minutes of jump rope because I knew I wasn't going to exercise for a couple days you go on bed rest after transfer so yes. I did some I did a little bit of bouncing I felt yeah, like you that did would some be good, good th- for me you did some good things that morning um let's talk about transfer day yeah it was the best day this was the best day and I know a lot of people probably want to know our experience together that day because when you're going through IVF you're usually you're doing both ends of it but um I was really excited because as an intended parent I was a little nervous because of the COVID restrictions that I was not going to be with Kathy and transfer, but obviously I got to go back there with you. So that was just a really sweet time. Just Sarah got to go back. Richard had to wait in the waiting room and then he, he came in later. We'll tell you about that. We'll but tell you about that later. Yes. But had to take turns, which was fine. But, um, I got Kathy, I got you there, um, at national fertility Let's see. Prep was about, were we there about an hour before? Mm-hmm. It really It wasn't. We weren't there long. We, I think this is something that kind of shocked us. We really, we felt like the process was so seamless and a lot easier and it went really quick. Um, so we got you back to the room. We both suited up with scrubs. Kathy, obviously they came in and took your vitals. The nurse came in to sit, to tell us like what to expect during the transfer, what to expect building it up before, you know, telling us all the things. And then um, what was cool, the embryologist came in, which I didn't realize we were going to meet her. And for one embryologist, what an incredible job. But she, um, she looked at me as the intended parent and she had a lot of paperwork and she had a picture of our embryo, which was so cool. And I had to sign off to make sure, you know, we were going to transfer the right one. We knew we were wanted to choose the male. So we did that. That was really cool. Um, and you and I got a couple pictures in our scrubs. And yeah. But the embryologist, I remember, she had the same birthday as us, didn't she? Something wild like that. I think something wild. I don't remember. She had our birthday, which I think I always love little signs. Little like signs like that. Um, yes. And I... I, the one thing they did tell me before transfer. So I was awake. That's different. When Sarah was doing her trans, her 
egg retrieval. She was asleep. Sedated. sedated. Yes, this is. This is. I was wide awake. They were, and they were supposed to bring me Valium. Um, they did never, not. Never they never did. And they, I was. They were wheeling me back. And they were like, "Hey, um, don't forget." I said, don't forget my Valium. They were like, oh, it's too late. And I was like, yeah, oh. I was like, is it too late for me though? <laughs> no, <laughs> but I had to come with a full bladder is what they yeah. told me. They, they said, come with a full bladder. And so I did, I drank so much. I drink a lot of water in general. So I drank a ton of water that day. I had a cup of coffee. I had a smoothie Sarah made me. So I, y'all, I was full. I had a full bladder. So I, when we got there, I told them I'm already full. I don't, know if I can wait to pee yeah. <laughs> for 40 more minutes and then the transfer. So the nurse said, well, you can go to the bathroom and count one, two, three and empty your bladder just a little bit. So I said, yeah. okay, that sounds good. I can do that. But then I went to the bathroom. <laughs> yeah. And, and this, I, this kind of held us up a little. This held us up a little. I have but had two okay. children. Yeah. I sat down that on that potty <laughs> And went pee, and I could not stop it. I said, yeah. one, two, three. And then I thought, there's no way. I can't make it stop. I'm so sorry. So <laughs> I emptied my bladder completely. I just had no control. I know. And that's fine. I mean, I would never have been able to do that either. And I, I think that was what I was a long thinking. time. It's okay. We should have, we should have like staged that out a little bit, a little bit better. But I think that delayed us just slightly, not much, because they wanted Kathy's bladder to be full during the transfer. So we, she had to chug. A ton of water. A ton of water. Um, jump around the room. Jump around the room, all, all of that. I but, drank so much water within like a 20-minute segment that I thought I was going to vomit up water. You were chugging water. But we sure. got there. But we got there. and um, So my bladder got full again, and they said, ready or not, it's time to go because the embryo is ready to go. Yeah, and then when we were in the OR, when we were about to do your transfer, she was like, the doctor was basically sitting there on the stool waiting for her, and she was like, "Let's do this because he's hatching." And I was like, "Oh my gosh!" My I thought that was a hatching. that was a good sign. I yeah. think it was a good sign. And um, we're not embryologists, so we can't speak more to that. But it was really crazy and emotional and really cool in the moment. I mean, I was sit- standing by your head while they while I was watching my son baby embryo like. Get she was walking slowly. Remember how slow she was walking? Mm-hmm. You guys, she was walking. The embryologist was walking so slow across the floor with the embryo in a catheter to hand to the doctor, and the doctor used the catheter to slip the embryo into Kathy's uterus. And I was standing by Kathy's head watching this on the monitor, so I could see like the ultrasound monitor of Kathy's uterus, and I could literally see a little bubble of him like slip into Kathy's uterus and like burrow into the side of it. And it was just so wild. Like I I thought about so many things. I mean, I thought about you standing by my head mm-hmm. when Charlotte was born. Yeah. I thought about like, I w- this is going to sound like super cheesy, but I thought about like us when we were little, like, I mean, just like we're twins and life has been so crazy. And here we are. I'm watching my son get implanted into your uterus like it was emotional I think we both cried cried. it was just like such an incredible experience and we had waited almost a year to get to that point yeah and it and I think the doctor too was he he was really sweet and he knew our story and um I think that everybody in the room was just like really excited for us and you remember how cool he was remember James Taylor 
Oh, yeah. He was playing James Taylor in the background in the OR. It was just like chill. So it, chill. It I felt was, chill. It was an incredible moment. But I loved how chill the environment was. I loved the doctor. I loved the James Taylor in the background. I thought if this moment is so chill, maybe his birth will be chill. And then maybe he will be chill. And if he's Richard's son, I think he will He'll be. be chill. Yeah. yeah. Um, so let's see. We After the transfer was over, they wheeled. They, they they put the embryo in with the catheter. It was undetectable with the naked eye. So they had to look to make sure under a microscope, I guess, that it was out of the catheter. Mm-hmm. And once they confirmed that it was out of the catheter, then I laid there for about five minutes with my legs mm-hmm. in the air just to, like, make it stick, I guess. And then they wheeled me back to the room. And then we could see it on the big monitor because it was, like, special technology. And then they gave me an ultrasound of Kathy's uterus. And mm-hmm. it's literally, you can't even tell what it is, honestly. But you see one tiny white fleck. It's like a microscopic <laughs> fleck. But we knew what ultrasound. it was. Yeah. It was a little air bubble. Because they do, they push it in there with an air bubble. So you can kind of see the air bubble where the embryo is in the mm-hmm. uterus. So we got that ultrasound. They wheeled me back. We were just giddy as could be. And I had to lay there for a little bit longer. And then Richard came in. You and Richard switched places. They couldn't both be in there because of COVID. So Sarah went home and like prepared me lunch. And Richard came in and then drove me home just so he could be there and participate. And And I thought that was sweet because, I mean, this has been so our journey. Me and you. Yeah. And it's like, on the other hand, it's been me and Richard's journey too. It's like we've done the IVF stuff, emotional stuff, but Richard and I, you know, we're preparing for a son in August. And so, you know, it's our bodies. And as women, we go through the IVF process. So I think, you know, it was really sweet and and special for Richard to kind of be with you on that day for a moment Mm -hmm. to kind of feel like I think men probably feel like they struggle in the, in this kind of process, how to feel, um, you know, how they participate and how they feel like, where their place well i will say richard said well i he didn't even remember doing his his semen and now i was gonna say analysis but his sample he like he was like so the day of he was like well this is the i didn't have to do anything and i was like well you did it just was a while ago so we joked we joked about how this was the the little work that either of us had done to get pregnant it was actually the transfer day was like the easiest thing any of us have ever done and that's so funny yeah you're like richard you actually already created the baby yeah he was like man it felt easy if easy way to create a baby it's not easy ivf is not easy it's not easy. but it was we joked that day that it was like perspective yeah yeah he his his work had already been completed already been completed (laughs) it was sweet though he drove me home i could tell he was like trying to be real gentle on the road it was cute like getting away from the speed bumps yeah (laughs) but you came home charlotte was in school you came home you we laid you up on I came to your house so yeah. I went and did bed rest at Sarah's house because I knew if I was home my kids would need me and I would you know get up like I shouldn't because I'm not very good at sitting still yeah and Samson would be like jumping on you or he something. would yeah so I did bed rest at Sarah's house just for that first night and that morning and it was so great I think it made that whole day not feel like we just went to to an OB appointment and went home it made it feel like a eventful day yeah and it made us feel like richard and i's intended parents i mean i'm sure this is not the case with most surrogates and their intended parents but it made us feel like we were a part of more a part of that day yeah and emotionally i think it's like what we all needed yes sarah kept making me a fire 
because I laid by the couch and she kept stoking the fire and I was sh- I was like Sarah I'm really hot like can we not <laughs> I was but like it's Christmas like, <laughs> you need the fire she wanted I could tell she needed something to do to I like did. help take care of me so I just let her feed me and stoke the fire even though I was sweating <laughs> <laughs> I know I just wanted I like no it I, was we were like pacing and Richard too he was like should I go get lunch like, what should I do yeah was I finally really was sweet. like there's nothing you can do Richard why don't you go to the gym and come home and he went he went to the gym and came home. Um, <clears throat> but so after that, we celebrated our birthday in that two week wait. Yeah. So we had a two really week fun. wait. I think it actually was 11 days. 11 days we waited. Mm-hmm. They said, you know, you can come back in 10 days and we'll take your blood work. And we decided to wait and not take a pregnancy test at home. We didn't want to do that because, I mean, sometimes you have false negatives, you do have false positives, all those things. It's rare you have a false positive, to be honest. But if you get a false negative, both all of us would feel discouraged. Yeah, I just didn't even want to – I was just like, let's wait for the blood test. That's going to be the most accurate. Um, And sometimes even a positive pregnancy test doesn't necessarily mean that the baby is – developing like we want it to and the blood test was going to be more accurate but I'll have to tell Sarah that I took one at home (gasps) you did (laughs) I haven't told her yet are you serious Sarah hold on I just have to tell you that I was so anxious I and I had I had the tests at my fingertips I knew you I knew I was like (laughs) she's like that is so you that's so I thought would I rather find out on my own and or should I be prepared for the bad news I know and I feel like you were like oh my gosh this is pressure it felt like a lot of pressure yeah and so I took one that's okay just just for people who want to know and I gotta tell Sarah because it's the first time she's wait I can't believe you didn't text me and like Side text me. I didn't because I didn't want to get your hopes up. I like so much of me was like, well, what if it's not true? I'm glad you didn't actually. Because honestly, when Kelly called me, I was in Target. It was better that day. I know. So the day we were like waiting for the result, you, yeah. you did the blood work. I did the blood work. I was work. actually on my way to your house because we were going to record a podcast, our first podcast episode, right? No, you were on your way here to do something. I actually, oh, I had Charlotte. I had your, oh. I had Charlotte. Oh, why did you have Charlotte? I don't know. Anyway, I was in Target, like, picking up something before I was coming to your house. And I was like, oh, how cool would we get the phone call if we were together? Um, yeah. But I was, like, barely at your house. And I saw Kelly's number calling on my phone. And I was, like, I was like, I had, having a panic attack. But I, I answered in Target. And I screamed. And then I started bawling, crying. And the people- So she called and told you you're having a baby. Yes. And she was like, I just want you, to, want you to know, I already talked to Kathy. She answered first, but I had to call you immediately. And she was just like over the moon gushing. She was like, we are so excited for y'all. Everything looks really, really good. Kathy's blood work looks perfect. Everything's like in line for like how many weeks you were. Um, it, all of it was just like the stars were aligning and I was bawling in Target. And I feel like there were strangers that wanted to come up and hug me or like didn't know what to do. <laughs> I, I was like, I'm fine. Just, it's fine. She called me first and actually she called you first and you didn't pick up. Yeah. And then she called me and said, I, I just called Sarah and she hadn't, she did not pick up, but I had to call you and tell you you're pregnant and your betas are 700 plus. So if people who are like wanting to know what my numbers were, yeah, that's the beta HCG, the pregnancy hormone. She said they're, over 700 everything looks incredible i'm so excited for you guys i knew you were pregnant i just didn't have any 
blacked out. And she, I, I burst so into sweet. tears. And it happened to be, I think, Ruthie's, my daughter's Christmas party. And all these little neighborhood girls were in my house decorating cookies. And my neighbor was here. And I just burst into tears. And all of them hugged me. Every mm -hmm. little, my neighbor, my, all the little girls, I just was like, they didn't know why because I hadn't told my kids yet. But anyway, <laughs> we were so emotional. And then I came to your house after Target. And I think we just cried like the whole day. Um, but it was so exciting. I called Richard immediately. He was at work. And I was like, we're going to have a baby. We're going to have a boy. Mm, it was such a so, sweet day. It was so I, I cried on and off the whole day, just like with relief and fear and joy. And it was like all every emotion you can ever feel. Yeah. So well, can we go back to the pregnancy test just for a second? Okay. <laughs> I took one like five days post-transfer and it was negative. And so I remember being, oh, why did I try that? But it was also five days post-transfer. And I was like, well, it's still only a few days. This is good for people to hear, though, because if you did transfer and you're anxious and if you're anxious, impatient, like Kathy, I was so impatient. I really I felt like I needed my anxiety to go down. And the more I tested at home, the less anxious I would be. <laughs> totally get it. Totally get it. But that's good for people to know. Like, so yeah. it was actually negative. It was negative on day five. five, but day seven, it was positive. Okay. And I tested in the afternoon. And this people who pregnancy test at home often know why I did this. I tested in the afternoon so that if it was negative, I could in my head be like, well, it wasn't an early morning urine sample. So yeah, there's still hope. Yeah. You yeah. know, totally. <laughs> so, anyway, I tested in the afternoon and it almost popped up immediately. And that was seven days post-transfer. Oh my gosh. That's so wild. But I, then I wanted the numbers. I wanted the facts. I'm a very like data person. I'm yeah. like peeing on a stick can only tell you so much. I want to know what my numbers are. Because I actually have the advantage of knowing what my betas were in my first trimester, in my first trimester, with both my other kids too, yeah. and so I knew what my body's normal is. Everybody sometimes has a different normal, but I knew what my normal was, and I knew that when when she gave me back a number, I would know if it was good or not based on my last pregnancies. Yeah, you know. So I wanted to wait. Until then, I didn't tell anybody but Alex. Alex is the only one who knew I had taken the test. Oh my gosh, that's so wild. <laughs> well, I'm so happy. I mean, okay, so we found out you were pregnant. Yeah, I was over the moon. Richard and I celebrated. We told Charlotte. Um, she didn't really understand. We were like, we're going to wait because we still, I mean, you still were early. early. I mean, I, we had just found out it was so, like five weeks pregnant. Yeah. And and with our history, like we know that like things can happen. So yeah, we didn't tell anybody like friends or anything. Um, we did tell our family, obviously, because they've been going through this process with us together. But um, after the pregnancy was confirmed, we scheduled our first ultrasound two weeks later. And that I think on the calendar would have made you seven weeks pregnant mm -hmm. and this when you go back to our very first episode is when we recorded actually oh wow that's cool after we had our ultrasound after seven weeks so we did after that we felt better yeah after that first ultrasound we saw a heartbeat we felt a lot better we saw yeah. a developed yolk sac we saw a developed embryo or fetus at that point i guess um so I know that the first trimester for me is always kind of scary of what ifs. Mm -hmm. The older I've gotten, the more okay I've gotten with whatever happens, happens. Mm -hmm. That was always hard for me in the beginning. And I think especially this time I felt more pressure. <laughs> I yeah. was like, please work, please work. Like I really wanted it to work 
because it was yours, you know? Mm -hmm. And I will say too, I felt pressure, like actual physical pressure, not emotional pressure <laughs> in my yeah, you pelvis, in my uterus with my other pregnancies that came kind of in a more natural conception route. I never felt any type of, I never felt pregnant until I started like vomiting at like six or seven weeks, you know? But I felt, I didn't know if it was the air bubble that they put in there, but I felt that implantation way more severely than I ever did with my own. That's interesting. So I felt pressure. Like I remember going to the gym and just like walking really slow on a treadmill because I literally felt so much pressure in my pelvis in a specifically the right side. So I was like, I think he's burrowing up in there. And I thought yeah. that was so interesting that I felt it differently. And that gave me some actual comfort. Yeah. I was like, my body's doing something. So now it can be really scary. Um, and, but we had each other, which I think helped. How did mm -hmm. you feel in those early weeks? Like while we were waiting around? Um, so obviously I was elated. Richard and I were over the moon that we were going to actually get a son and a sibling for Charlotte. But I think my emotions were really up and down in those early weeks. I think just it's obvious with my past, past medical history and emotions surrounding pregnancy, like in general, it's hard not to feel fear. I mean, I had fear for you. I had fear for like you feeling disappointed or guilty. I had fear regarding pregnancy itself. I mean, I just, it's still all that just, it's fear. Um, and just the what ifs, you know, what if something happens? Um, so if I was honest with myself, I would say I was up and down. I think, I would think to myself, like, is this too good to be true? Are we really going to get a son? Is it really going to stick? Is it really going to work? You know, is this too good to be true? Do I deserve this gift? Mm. All of those things were really honest feelings. But, you know, I trusted the process. I trusted that we were where we were supposed to be. Mm -hmm. I trusted God. I trusted this is going to sound funny, but I trusted your body. Mm -hmm. I think that's good. I think a lot of people don't trust their own body and I trusted my own. I trusted your body mm -hmm. more than my own. So let's just be honest. But, um, but you'd also, you and your past, mm -hmm. you had a history of miscarriage with some of your, mm -hmm. you know, before your children. Mm -hmm. So I think that crossed my mind at one point. For sure. It crossed my um, mind. And it probably crossed your mind more, but mm -hmm. I really do feel like I was so confident in your body and I was confident in the process. Um, and so, and that really helped yeah. put my mind at ease. I think it helped me too, go. knowing that your embryo was good because I do think yeah. often miscarriages are because genetic malformations and we so knew true. that that wasn't an issue. But I still, I like burst into tears, maybe our second or third ultrasound because I had made it, you know. It was relief. It made it out of the first trimester, which with my first pregnancy, I was 11 weeks. I was far and I had already seen a good heartbeat. I'd already seen everything really good. So I had, I, it's not, it's impossible not to have like some PTSD from that, but I did. I felt so relieved that we had made it through like week six and week nine. And like, those are really big developmental weeks. So I felt relieved, but I also, I didn't have the fear like I did with my own because of what we had gone through to get there. I felt mm -hmm. some obstacles had been overcome already. Yeah, that's so true. So, I mean, IVF in general, I think can be a really big roller coaster. <clears throat> and we know a lot of families are preparing for IVF. So we'll probably cut it off here, but we hope that this encouraged you or at least 
you found it helpful to hear our journey and our story. Um, obviously, it's a really windy road to get here. Yeah, and everybody but, has a different journey. But baby boy is worth it. Worth it. And worth all the ups and downs, I will say. I really think once we got to the trigger shot, the rest of it was rest of it was pretty smooth sailing. The whole transfer, yeah. bed rest. There was waiting, but it was exciting wait, excitement waiting. So that, you know, that felt a little bit easier than the waiting in the beginning. So, yeah. well, so, we did it. <clears throat> we're excited and we can't wait to meet him in August. It's yeah. going to be here before we know it's it. It's going to be here fast. Well, we're excited to share this story with you guys and we will see you next time. Talk to you soon.